Good evening. It is time for us to begin our study of the Word of God uh, this evening. As you can see on the screen, we will be in Exodus chapter 14. We will begin at verse number 26, but prior to this, let us go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you, Father, for this day. And Father, we thank you for the blessings in life that you continue to give. Uh, we thank you, Father, that things are as well with us as they are. And ask, O oh God, that you would ever bless us to count uh, our blessings rather than our sorrows. Father, we are mindful at this time that there are many throughout uh, this world uh, that have uh, contracted the COVID-19 uh, virus. We pray, Father, for them, for those who are ministering to their care. Uh, we're aware, Father, that there are those that have uh, lost income and lost jobs, and we pray for them uh, in their hardship as well. Uh, Father, may we be ever mindful to ask your blessings for all of those who face adversity, whatever it may be, knowing that with you all things are possible. We ask, O oh God, that you would bless us as we study your word this evening, uh, that our hearts and minds would ever be open to the things that you speak to us through your word, and that we would always find comfort uh, in the things uh, that your word declares to be true. Uh, Father, above all, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who makes it all possible. And in his name we do pray and ask all things. Amen. Uh, so we're going to begin at Exodus 14, verse number 26. Uh, earlier today, I'm just thinking again how... Uh, the providence of God is at work that we are in Exodus at this particular time. Uh, many times when we read the biblical account, because we are not there, it, it's hard to uh, get the full impact of the scene uh, as it is relayed to us. Uh, but this would have been uh, a very critical time uh, in the lives of the Israelites and certainly uh, it is a time when God shined through as a deliverer as much as he does anywhere else uh, in the biblical record. Uh, prayerfully, we will take from this uh, that where we are powerless, God is powerful. And where we have uh, nothing but questions, God has all the answers. Uh, it is always easier to sit in a chair and talk than it is to live life. Uh, especially when you feel the heat of the furnace. Uh, but my prayer is that we will uh, be convicted that the God that we serve is in fact God, uh, that he has all power, and that as long as we are faithful to him, uh, then, then his will will be accomplished in a positive way uh, through our living. Uh, so having said that, uh, let us begin here, Exodus chapter 14, verse number 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and over their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them, not even one of them remained, but the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. 
Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Uh, and as we look at verses 26 through 31, uh, it's important to remember in the events that will unfold after this, and even in some of the things that had happened prior to this, uh, if you watch the Bible narrative, uh, observe that at each turn, God chooses to work through Moses. And this uh, point is similar to what we see when the mantle of leadership is passed from Moses to Joshua. God makes it crystal clear that this is his servant, which point should have been clear already. They watched God work 10 plagues on the Egyptians uh, by the hand of Moses. Uh, but this just reaffirms that God is working on their behalf through Moses. Now, God is the one doing uh, or exhibiting all of the power, but he's choosing to work through Moses, uh, the people would have done well to remember that because they would uh, chide with Moses uh, after this and uh, never seemed to take into account that to take exception to Moses was in fact to take exception to the God at whose behest Moses was acting. Uh, and yeah, you heard me mention Joshua. Uh, Moses was very careful to uh, lay hands on Joshua in front of all the Israelites so that there was no doubt about whom God was working through. Uh, there were a lot of things that could have been debated, but this was not one of them. And, and speaking of debate, I, I think it interesting uh, as you study uh, scripture and you start to uh, research through other sources uh, just to see what it is uh, that men have to uh, offer on the lines of insight, I find it interesting how often men are willing to debate over things that are not matters of the law of Christ, things that won't keep you out of heaven. Now, when I say that, for instance, who was the Pharaoh uh, of the Exodus? Uh, well, I'm sure if that was critical information, God uh, knows uh, the man's name and could have given it to us if it was information that we needed. And yet you can find a great deal uh, of people uh, offering their commentary about who the Pharaoh was at that particular time. Uh, and certainly that might be something curiosity wants to know, uh, but it's not necessary that we be able to identify uh, who the Pharaoh was in order to serve God. And I mentioned that uh, because there is a great deal uh, to be said about what is related to us in verses 26 through 31. And in particular, uh, one of the things that there is a great deal to be said about is, did the Pharaoh of the Exodus drown in the sea? Uh, now, the rationale, or I guess maybe the reason for the debate, uh, revolves around what we are told in Psalm 136, verse number 15. Uh, you can see it on the screen there. Uh, it says, but he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Uh, in Psalm 136.15, we find that God, and, and the key word here is overthrew, uh, overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. Uh, let me read something uh, to you here. 
The Hebrew word translated here as overthrew is nar, also found in Exodus 14.27. It does not mean to drown or to toss or tumble about as in the water, as, as some have attempted to assert. It simply means shook off, as is mentioned in the margins of many Bibles and in the Brown Driver and Greek's Hebrew lexicon. Nehemiah 13.5 illustrates how Naar should be translated. Uh, then I shook out the fold of my garment. And again, that's the same word used there uh, when it's translated shook out. Uh, it is rendered overthrew in Psalm 136.15. Therefore, these verses, meaning Psalm 136.15, uh, simply say that God shook off the Egyptians, including Pharaoh, from their pursuit of the Israelites, uh, these scriptures say nothing of who was drowned. In Exodus 14, 28, the waters cover all the army of Pharaoh, but Pharaoh himself is not mentioned. Uh, and Exodus 15, 19 supports this. Uh, it says there, for the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. And naturally, the horses and the horsemen of Egypt were considered to be Pharaoh's, uh, but the verse doesn't say that Pharaoh's personal horse or, or that Pharaoh himself drowned in the sea. Uh, and that's significant because the death of such an important person would almost certainly have been given a special note in the Bible. Uh, but here is, I think, the rub with things concerning this. It is not going to keep a person out of heaven uh, one way or the other. Uh, now, I have a personal uh, thought about the matter. But whether you think Pharaoh did drown or didn't drown, one thing is certain, uh, he didn't bother the Israelites again after this. Uh, and whether he died there or not, he's certainly dead now. Uh, and just for curiosity, for whatever it's worth, uh, I think the movie had it somewhat right. I believe he did go back to Egypt again. I don't know that he had a showdown with his wife because she was uh, Moses' former love interest and all of that. Uh, that, I think, is just Hollywood uh, using for entertainment value. Uh, and, and, but I say that to say, when we read the Word of God, it is very important that we stick with what God tells us uh, and not get off into uh, surmisings or uh, you know, conclusions or guesses, uh, things like this in no way uh, at the end of the day have no effect on whether or not a person can obey the gospel of Christ Jesus and live faithfully uh, after his will. And so we don't want to get caught, uh, get caught running down uh, an alley that leads to nowhere. Uh, you know, to argue whether or not Pharaoh drowned here is to totally miss what God did. Uh, God delivered the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians, uh, and there was no more concern about Pharaoh, his army, or the former life uh, where they had been subjected to slavery. God delivered them from all of that, and that is the thing to be held uh, in view here. Uh, so having said that, we reached the uh, end of chapter uh, 14, and when we look back over the chapter and look at the highlights uh, of the chapter, in verses 1 through 12, we find Pharaoh in pursuit, which I really find rather remarkable because after the 10 plagues uh, that God had visited upon him and his people, 
Uh, I don't know what Pharaoh thought would have changed uh, simply because it looked like the Israelites were wandering around uh, in the desert. Uh, the sea is divided in verses 13 through 25, and there's just no way to appreciate the magnitude of what God did. Uh, many people are still you know, debating, uh, as I just mentioned, over where exactly the sea was divided, if in fact it could be. Uh, and again, it, it completely misses the point. Uh, you know, Genesis 1-1 tells us uh, that this is not too hard for God. You know, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, you're talking about cutting a path through part of what he created. Uh, that might be hard for man. It, it may be impossible for man, uh, but God is not a man. And to relegate God to what we can understand, what we can explain, uh, to what we can conceive, is to, in fact, uh, dethrone him uh, from being the God that he is. And so whether it was the Suez Canal, whether it was somewhere a little north of that, a little south of that, God divided the sea and allowed his people to pass through. And I'd like to see anybody else uh, just do what God did uh, as easy as God did it. And then last there in chapter 14, the Egyptians are destroyed in verses 26 through 31. Uh, and remember, God had a purpose in all of this. It wasn't just to beat up uh, on the Egyptians. God used Pharaoh because Pharaoh had demonstrated himself uh, to be a rather obstinate fellow, uh, and God could use that. Uh, he also wanted to show to Israel, to Egypt, and to the world that he is the God of gods, that, that, that there is no God like him. And so these things unfold the way that they do because God is working on a much higher level uh, than everybody else. The Israelites simply want out of Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh simply wants them to work harder. Uh, but if you notice, God takes a much bigger view uh, of things. And that's important for us in our world today because many times we tend to focus in on what's going on in my minute part uh, uh, of the world. Whereas God is working on a much larger level, uh, and many times the way God is working is unknown to us. We don't know what God's exact purposes are, but again, we do know God. We do know that he is faithful. We do know that he is just. Uh, we do know that God loves his creation, and so whatever God does and whatever God allows needs to be uh, the way that it is. Uh, so where we are in our world today, uh, some people will speak as authorities on why God is doing what he is doing. Uh, we would do well just to trust God's faithfulness. And what it is we need to know in order to serve God faithfully, uh, God has never shunned to reveal to his people what we need to know. And if people were as interested in studying their Bibles as they are in answering trivia questions, uh, I believe our world would be a much better place uh, to live. So again, having said that, that brings us then to the chapter 14, uh, the so what's for chapter 14. And I'm going to uh, apologize. Usually uh, when someone makes a comment, the very bottom of my screen will indicate to me uh, that a comment has been made. Uh, I have not seen that indicator and could not find it. Actually, one of the brethren was kind enough to unmute me uh, so that you had to 
uh, bear with listening to me uh, for the time that we have together this evening. Uh, I'm going to guess that it's just one of those things when you work with the technology. Uh, so if you make a comment and I don't acknowledge it, I'm not ignoring you. It's just that my uh, computer is not working as it normally does. Uh, thankfully, I can see the PowerPoint. Uh, I know Brother Brand uh, on Sunday did not even have uh, that privilege. So the so what's for chapter 14. Uh, number one is stand still. Uh, and in a seemingly impossible circumstance, and again, it's hard for us to visualize, uh, but if you can uh, uh, you know, imagine here that Israel has uh, the sea in front of them, and then they have Pharaoh's army bearing down on them uh, from behind, uh, you know that the Egyptians don't mean you uh, any good. They, they had not treated them well when they were slaves there, and certainly had no reason to be nice to them now that they had uh, abandoned Egypt uh, and left with, uh, you know, the Egyptians' goods. They, they spoiled Egypt when they left. So no reason to think uh, that the Egyptians are coming out to uh, congratulate them. Uh, but the word uh, to Israel is to stand still. And, and I believe many times in life, that's still the word that we need now, stand still. Uh, you know, when things happen, we tend to panic. And when you panic, uh, one of the things you do is you, you, you don't act rationally. You don't act reasonably. Uh, you know, when you panic, you tend to take off running, uh, even if you sat down and thought rationally. Uh, I, I can speak from experience. Uh, generally speaking, a person cannot outrun a dog. Now, there may be some uh, extenuating circumstances that may change that. Uh, but generally speaking, a person cannot out, cannot outrun a dog, uh, but that has always been my go-to when a dog has been after me. Uh, now, I have made it a matter of math and science, not just trying to beat the dog in a straight-out sprint, uh, but can I get to a place uh, that the dog cannot uh, before the dog can get to me? Uh, one of the things I'm grateful for is that dogs can't climb trees, and so usually if a dog got after me, you know, it was a matter, could I find a tree to get up uh, before the dog could chase me down? Uh, but many times in life, uh, you know, we panic and then we start running and, and our running is not reasonable, uh, certainly not based on faith. Uh, and I would think a very relevant word uh, for our world today, uh, number one, stand still. You know, you, you can't talk to somebody who's in full panic mode. Uh, you, you can't reason with such an individual. And so the word to Israel uh, in this time of crisis well, number one, stand still. Uh, and, and you know, stand still, I, I believe inherent in stand still is, is also be quiet. Uh, the last thing you need in a crisis is a whole lot of noise. Uh, you don't need people screaming. Uh, you don't need people asking, uh, you know, those, oh, woe is me kind of questions. Uh, let's listen to what God has to say. Uh, and wouldn't it be great in a, uh, our current circumstance, this global pandemic, uh, if the message from uh, our global leaders will stand still uh, and, and hear the Lord. Uh, now, I, I know that's probably not what they're going to say, uh, but certainly for those of us that have obeyed the gospel of Christ Jesus, that is the thing that will give us uh, stability and peace uh, in a time such as this uh, and will be beneficial to us throughout all the days uh, of our living. 
So absolutely, in a time of crisis, uh, uh, the, the people of God, one of the things we need to remember is stand still. Uh, the God that we serve uh, is great enough that we don't have to run in terror from anything. Uh, next uh, on the list there is go forward. Uh, and again, this is a faith statement uh, because when God says go forward, well, number one, the sea hadn't been opened yet, but even if you open the sea, uh, intellect is saying the water does not stand up as a wall. And what if we get down in there just far enough that we can't get back if water decides to be water again? And that's why it's called faith. Uh, you remember Paul makes the great declaration, we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, now, faith is not uh, the complete absence uh, of anything, uh, any kind of evidence to work with. Uh, certainly, God has given us all kinds of proofs, all kinds of evidence to believe him. Uh, but it was a matter of faith to go down into that sea uh, and cross on dry land. Uh, but I submit to you that we have to walk by faith uh, in our world uh, as well. Now, we may not be able to tell beforehand how God is going to work something out. But what we do know is that God can work it out. Uh, we do know that God loves us, uh, that God always works in our best interest, and God never gives us a command to our hurt. So if we will be faithful to what the Lord commanded, uh, then we are going to be better than all right. Uh, you hear people say things are going to be all right. Well, that's not enough if you're a child of God. God promises us something better than all right. Uh, you know, all right is, is about like a C in school. You know, you can get better than a C. Uh, and certainly as we face this global pandemic, uh, for the people of God, we're going to be better than all right. Uh, you go back and read John 14 again, if you think we're not going to be better than all right. Now, that doesn't mean we have immunity uh, from the virus. It doesn't mean that some of us won't lose our jobs. It doesn't mean that things won't be tougher in the days ahead. Uh, but we are going to be better than all right. So when God told Israel to go forward, it's a matter of faith. It doesn't matter what you can figure out, what seems reasonable to you, you just obey me. But God had certainly given them proof uh, over the course of about a year's worth of time through the 10 plagues uh, that, that he's in total control uh, of the situation. And then uh, third there uh, in the So What's from chapter 14, uh, the salvation of the Lord. Uh, the good news uh, that God is able uh, to deliver. Uh, you know, salvation can ex uh, salvation exists in a number of contexts. Usually when we think about salvation, it is, you know, to be saved from sin. Uh, but God saves us from more than just uh, uh, the due penalty for our sins. Uh, God has saved us from adversity over and over again. Uh, and it is imperative that we remember that it is the salvation of the Lord we have never gotten through a tough time, and it was because of what we did. Uh, when we make it through adverse situations, it is because the grace of God uh, allowed us to make it through. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have to act. It doesn't mean that we uh, don't pray or any of those things. Uh, but ultimately, everything happens according to uh, the will of God uh, uh, and the hand of God. 
And so there is nothing that we can do if the will of God is not so uh, to deliver ourselves from anything. And so this then would be what we have for chapter 14. And since I do not see any hands, we will continue rolling right into chapter 15. Uh, Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him, my father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he cast into the sea, and the choices of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deeps cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Uh, this song emphasizes uh, the fact that worship in general and, and praise and song in particular, as we see here in chapter 15, is always an appropriate response to God's deliverance. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 3, verse 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, and I just feel it necessary to say, uh, when we sing praise to God, uh, the focus is not on entertainment. And I say that because we live in an entertainment-driven society. Uh, even when you talk about in religious circles, uh, I, I believe one of the great fallacies that many people make in their effort to worship and praise God is to miss the fact that worship and praise is to the Lord. It is not to man. Uh, and so man gets no say in how the worship and praise is offered. We, we need to act in agreement with what God has commanded, uh, and we are not free to amend that command uh, to suit our personal preferences. And so we look, uh, my little uh, time, I don't know what this, this little banner at the bottom is back for whatever reason. Uh, so thank God for that. So I'm going to say that if you make a comment now, I reasonably believe uh, that I should see it. Um, but in popping up, I lost my train of thought. Uh, so let's do this then. Uh, let's move on to verse number six. Uh, you know, old preacher once told me uh, when the plane runs out of gas, put it on the tarmac. Uh, now, he said that in reference to prayer. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody pray and they just kind of fumbling for something else to say. Uh, and his counsel was when you run out of things to say, say amen. Uh, so when you lose your train of thought, press on and don't uh, sit here fumbling while you all listen to me babble, trying uh, to recall it. Uh, okay, I'm going to take that. That comment was for somebody else. Uh, verse number six, your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. 
you send forth your burning anger and it consumes them as chaff. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing water stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified against them. I will draw out my sword, my hand will destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. And notice as we uh, look at what uh, the Israelites were singing, uh, the song stresses that the deeds are God's and his people are the beneficiaries uh, of his might. Now, the Israelites will be uh, warned to remember uh, that they have prevailed because of God and would only continue to prevail if they kept this fact in remembrance. Uh, if you are taking notes, uh, take a look at Deuteronomy 8, uh, verses 11 through 20, uh, where God very uh, straightly uh, commands them to remember. Uh, and there are a number of things they need. Remember, number one, that God is the difference maker. Remember that things are favorable because God is able. Uh, we are never to take God uh, credit for what God has done as if somehow uh, we have done it ourselves. Uh, humility and righteousness are critical if we are going uh, to walk with God. Uh, so let's move on here to verse number 11. Who was like you among the gods, O Lord? Who was like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? And, and obviously this is a rhetorical question. And a part of God showing this uh, to the Egyptians in particular uh, was in the 10 plagues, not once did we hear a peep from any of the gods uh, that they espoused. Uh, so certainly God is unique in that, number one, God really exists. He really is God. There is no God besides God, uh, much less one that can contend uh, with him. Uh, he alone is the only and true God. Verse number 12, you stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. Now, there is the repeated reference to the right hand. Uh, the right hand was held to be the hand of strength. Uh, most people are right-handed, and even when you get into uh, the New Testament, the right hand uh, is still the hand of favor. You know, the sheep will be on the right hand and the goats will be uh, on the left. Now, I'm not mad at left-handed folk. Uh, you know, you southpaws are certainly unique. I I'm just explaining uh, the rationale here uh, in the Bible text. Uh, number 13. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. And you remember the uh, deeds that God had done preceded the children of Israel as they moved towards the promised land. Uh, you remember Rahab uh, spoke to the spies and she, she said that they had heard, you know, before the Israelites ever got there, uh, what their God had done uh, and that their hearts melted within them and there was no strength. 
left in them to try to oppose uh, this God whom the Israelites served because he was doing uh, just what nobody else could do. Uh, now I'm going to take it. The screen is slow there. Now I'm, I'm reluctant to press it twice. I don't know if it's slow or if I just didn't get a good click. Uh, I actually wanted uh, verses uh, 16, 17, and 18 to pop up uh, before I started making commentary, which is already too late because I've already offered uh, some commentary. Uh, okay, we got to click again and nothing. Okay. A uh, good thing I have my Bible sitting right here uh, on the table. Where we? Uh, prayer time. <laughs> uh, Brother Alan Pratt just typed in uh, prayer time. Actually, I'm just going to read uh, starting at Exodus 15, verse number 16 uh, from the Bible uh, itself. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone until your people pass over, O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased, you will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Uh, now the Israelites and the Egyptians and the rest of the world, uh, uh, the rest of the world would find these things out. But the Israelites and the Egyptians had just witnessed God showing himself different and superior to the gods of man's design. Uh, so when the question is asked, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Uh, that's obviously a rhetorical question. Nobody is like God. Uh, we didn't hear a word from uh, Ray, Amenhotep, or any of the other Egyptian gods uh, when God was there working uh, his wonders in the land of Egypt, and certainly they had time to respond if they could have. Uh, but again, these are the gods of man's design. They really are no gods. Uh, and so the Israelites just sing God's praise uh, when they are delivered to the other side uh, of the Red Sea. Uh, Exodus 19. Uh, chapter 5, verse 19. For the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. And the thing that made the difference here uh, was whether or not you walked with God and God was walking with you. Uh, the Israelites were certainly not superior uh, to the Egyptians in uh, military might or really in any other way that mattered, uh, except for the fact that they were God's people. And this is the thing that always makes the difference. Is God walking with you, and are you walking with him? And depending on the answers to those two questions, uh, those two impact uh, the results that you get. Uh, now, they were trying to get through the same sea, 
the Israelites passed through on dry land, uh, having no trouble, and, and the Egyptians had nothing but trouble and were eventually drowned uh, and there uh, destroyed. So we always want to cast our lot uh, with God. As David said, uh, Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Uh, we always want to be on God's side. We always want uh, the will of God uh, to be, uh-oh, now my screen just went black. Uh, I don't know if it did that for anybody else. Uh-oh, kick me out. Did y'all get kicked out? No, everybody's still here, Ricky. Your oh, I'm slides, sorry. Your, your slides are uh, are um, blank um, on the file that I have from here out. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Uh, well, to you all out there in Zoom land, uh, glad the Lord kept control. Oh, okay, we're going back to chapter. Uh, fine. I can, I can make it all right. Uh, well, no, that was the right place. Uh, Exodus, thank you. Uh, Exodus chapter 15, verse number 22. Uh, I was worried that I got kicked out again. Uh, thus my question. Uh, but man, I tell you, our IT brethren are just on top of things. Uh, so thank you, brethren, for uh, bringing that back and letting me know that I am still here with everyone else. Uh, Exodus chapter 15, uh, verse number 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Uh, that's going to be critical. I'll come back to it, but, but uh, Mark verse 24 there. Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Uh, one of the things to be noticed uh, from the narrative is Israel's incessant complaining. I mean, they just complained at every turn about any and everything. Uh, and may we be ever mindful of the fact that complaining stems from being forgetful uh, and ungrateful. Uh, if you just walk into chapter uh, 15, uh, not aware of all the things that have happened, uh, perhaps we could understand uh, to some degree uh, their discontent. Uh, but you have to think back to all God has done. He has brought them out of Egypt with a high hand. He has swallowed the Egyptians uh, in the sea, having allowed them to pass through that very same sea. Prior to that, he had demonstrated his superiority uh, to the Egyptians uh, in 10 plagues. 
And Israel just seemed to have kicked all of that to the curb, uh, and none of that mattered anymore. Uh, so in verse 24, so the people grumbled at Moses. Now, you remember me saying earlier uh, that God made it clear that he was working through Moses. This was not Moses' idea. This was not Moses' power. So to take exception at Moses was, in fact, to take exception uh, with God. And, and I think we don't always process that through uh, in our minds, uh, in our own lives uh, today. Uh, when we grumble and when we murmur, ultimately we are murmuring against God uh, because we are vessels in God's service. And remember, everything happens according to uh, either the uh, direct or the permissive uh, will of God, determined or permissive will of God. Uh, so when we start to grumble about things, well, the only one who is in a position to make any difference is God. And so I don't know if we process it, but when we murmur, actually we are murmuring uh, uh, against God. And so we want to be very careful uh, not to do such a thing. Now, the grace and mercy of God can be seen uh, not only in the fact that God provided for them, uh, but also in the fact that he didn't destroy them uh, for their murmuring, uh, which it would have been, you know, no grounds to argue if he had. Uh, look, after God, all God has done for you, your issue is now on this side of the sea, we have nothing to drink. Uh, what about all that God has done for you and all that God has provided to get you to this point? Uh, if, you know, to kill you was God's intent, if your destruction was God's intent, then he could have just left you where you were. Uh, he didn't have to go through uh, what he went through uh, to get them out there just to kill them uh, with thirst. Uh, he certainly could have done that uh, in, in the land of Egypt if that had been uh, his desire. Uh, now, we are told there uh, that the name of the place was Mara, uh, and Mara literally means bitterness. Uh, and the takeaway from this event uh, is that God cares for his people and provides for their needs. Uh, now, it doesn't mean we may not go through some moments of discomfort or uh, uh, stress or crises or that kind of thing, uh, but there's never a time that God doesn't care for us and never a time that God is not providing what we need. And even again, uh, you know, I will keep mentioning, uh, you know, our current circumstance, this global pandemic. Uh, let us not miss the fact that even at this moment, God is taking care of us and that God uh, has been and will continue to provide what we need. And sometimes what we need is a, is a bit of a wake-up call. Sometimes we need to be shaken from our comfort uh, so that we can remember uh, what is really important and how things really work uh, in this world in which we live. Uh, so when we look at uh, these verses 22 through 27, I uh, think it also good to note that we have a preview uh, of the covenant that God uh, is going to give the Israelites uh, in just a short time. Uh, and the thing that is stressed uh, you know, from the very beginning is Israel's obedience to God. Uh, and you know, obedience is a big thing in the sight of God. Uh, now, man may deem it optional or uh, try to rely on grace, uh, 
Uh, but you remember, Paul counseled us against that. Uh, you know, Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, you don't ever want to try to play that, uh, you know, God is loving and merciful and he'll give me another chance. Uh, now, certainly he has given people another chance. Uh, but what we don't know is when this chance is going to be my last chance. Remember, God doesn't owe us chances. That's, that's not a game we want to play. Uh, it was told to King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15. You remember there, instead of destroying everything and everybody uh, as it uh, pertained to Amalek, Saul brought back uh, the best of uh, uh, what was there. Uh, and he said he was going to offer it as a sacrifice. And you remember that Samuel told him to obey is better than to sacrifice. Uh, and again, that's a very uh, relevant message for our world today. You know, people are so busy praising God the way they want to, uh, would do well to remember that to obey is better than to sacrifice. God can create a whole universe. He can certainly command us about what he wants us to do. And so if we are going to offer worship and praise to God, uh, certainly we ought to offer it uh, according to his will. Uh, there's a word in Hebrews 5, 9 about obedience. Uh, it says there that uh, Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. And so obedience is uh, important in the sight of God. Uh, and therefore it needs to be important uh, with us. And I know we live in a world that increasingly, uh, you know, people don't want to be held accountable for anything. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Uh, but those two things that we might as well just clear up if you're going to walk with God. Uh, if you are going to walk with God, then you are going to be held accountable for what you do. And God is going to tell you what to do if you want to walk with him. Uh, and there's just no debating that. that. That's just the way that it is. God is God and we are part of his creation. Uh, you know, it ought to work the same way uh, in the home. Uh, the parents have been ordained by God as the authority in the home, uh, and there's never a time where, where, you know, I need to fight with my children uh, about how this household is going to be run. Uh, God gives you that authority, and he has a similar, uh, albeit higher, and more complete authority when it comes to humanity. And so obedience is big in the sight of God. And so we want to do uh, our level best. And remember, Paul says, I can do all things uh, through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So we can obey God. We can. Now, we don't always want to. Uh, you know, we talk about how hard it is. Uh, well, Jesus said the path that leads to life is straight and narrow. So certainly it does require some effort, some discipline, uh, and, and all of that. Uh, but it can be harder than it has to be if we are of a mind to be rebellious. Uh, let us remember, it is going to be God's way or no way at all. And there is not even one exception uh, to that fact. Uh, we have so much of our, our confusion in our religious world because of people trying to take uh, an alternate path uh, to what God has commanded. All right, uh, let's see. We have how much time here? According to Consumer Cellular, we have three minutes. Uh, and again, to our brethren, thank you for helping me out very much there. If you will go ahead and pop up that first item, thank you. Uh, 
Exodus chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 21, we have the rejoicing uh, of the Israelites. And certainly this was a, an occasion uh, to rejoice because God has freed them. And you know now they see it uh, in a more tangible way. Uh, you know, we, we see it, we're leaving Egypt, we're leaving Egypt with their stuff, but the Egyptians are still there. Uh, and then they get up against the sea and here come uh, the Egyptians trying to chase them down. And so God opens a path through the sea and they make it over to the other side. And now they see the Egyptians dead in the water. Uh, so that's got to be a little uh, fuller taste uh, of salvation than simply we left because now they're dead. And once they're dead, we don't have to worry about them anymore. Now, not that they had to be worried about them from the beginning. Certainly God knew that. It took a great deal of convincing uh, to get the Israelites uh, to see that. Uh, but again, I believe that very same principle is the rationale for Paul telling us not to worry about anything in Philippians 4, 6. Uh, I mean, if God is God, if he is all that the scriptures reveal him to be, uh, and we have all of this evidence, not just from scripture, but from what we've seen him do uh, in our own lives, why are we worried? Uh, and again, it's one of those things, uh, you know, fear moves us to panic and to be irrational. Uh, but as Paul said, we ought to walk by faith. Now, faith doesn't mean I have all the answers or that I know how God is going to work this out. It does mean that I know God. Okay, my brother, and if you could just pop up that last item and we'll call it uh, even. Yep, thank you. Uh, verse, verses 22 through 27, at Mara, the bitter water was made sweet. Uh, now, I'm going to have somewhat to say about that in the so what's, uh, but uh, my phone indicates that it is 10 minutes to eight, so we need to uh, drive a stake in it right there, and Lord willing, we will continue with the so what's to uh, chapter 15. Uh, brethren, thank you for being my ram in the bush. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you again, Father, for the way that you continue to bless our living we thank you, Father, for being our God. We thank you for the things that you speak to us through your word. And we ask, oh God, that our hearts and minds would be open uh, to the things that you speak to us, through the things that you have revealed to us, through the things that we have been blessed to see, that we would truly live with the conviction that you alone are God uh, and that there is none like you or none beside you. And Father, we pray that these things would give us uh, the courage and the strength and the patience uh, to walk each day according to your will and to uh, shine as lights in this world in which we live. Father, we pray that in all things and in every way your will would be done. We ask again, O oh God, your blessings upon this world in which we live. Above all, that men would come to realize uh, that you alone are God, that Christ Jesus is Lord, and that it would be our desire to do the things that are pleasing and well in your sight. Father, we ask that you would be with all of those who are dealing with adversity, whether it be sickness or uh, economic hardship or uh, whatever their circumstance might be, Father God. We ask that you would bless them according to their need, but above all, that you would bless them according to uh, your will. We ask, oh God, that you would keep us, be with us, continue to guide us, and that uh, sometime in, in the near future, we might be able to assemble together again and to see one another's faces and to uh, rejoice in the bond and the fellowship that we share in Christ Jesus. Uh, in Jesus' name we do pray and ask all things.
Amen.